We all have a standard of living. Pastor Xavier Reese asks, what standard do you live by? Nobody's wrong. Because everybody's running around with their own yardstick. Some are 24 inches, some 37, some 38, but they're all missing the 36 inch mark. There has to be an absolute standard. Otherwise, there could be no absolute measure of anything. So in other words, everything that I hear, I have to run through the Word of God. If it doesn't match the Word of God, if it contradicts, if it adds, it's shaft. Out it goes. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What makes a house a home? Is it the color, the furnishings, the number of bedrooms, and so on? Well, most wouldn't think any of that matters more than the love residing in the hearts of the family within. Well, by the same token, a religious person isn't any better a Christian just because of some outward signs like not eating this or that and going or not going here or there. No, as Pastor Xavier explains, it's the love for things eternal, not the physical, that God favors. Let's join him for today's Simple Truths from Colossians chapter 2. It is in Christ that sinners are made saints, and the guilty are acquitted by the work of the cross. Now, anytime you want to add to that, or take away from that, then you are unscriptural. Paul says that very, very clear. And yet, despite of the clarity of this proclamation consistently through the Scripture, there are always those who want to add to the work of Christ and actually are teaching that the atonement of Christ is not sufficient by their practice. They won't say it with their mouth, but by their practice they demonstrate that they're not resting on the finished work of Christ. Now, these methods and practices are based on human efforts for spirituality and often are used as a judge on other individuals' spirituality or the lack thereof. And they are also to demonstrate their own self-righteousness in exaltation, even as Paul tells us that Israel went about to establish their own righteousness rather than to accepting the righteousness of Jesus Christ in Romans 10.3. That was his heartbreak all the time. Now, there was a pastor who discovered one Sunday morning that uh, the roads were all blocked off and he couldn't get to church. The only way he could get to church was to skate down the river. So he did that. Now, when he got to the church, the elders of the church were horrified that he had actually skated on the Sabbath to get to church. So after the service, they had a big powwow meeting and they explained to him that uh, it was a horrible thing he had done and that how could he do this? He explained to them that it was either to skate or not be there. So one of the men said, did you enjoy it? <laughs> when the man said no, they decided it was all right. <laughs> Isn't that the way a lot of people live, their relationship with Jesus Christ? Paul the Apostle gives to us here a threefold proclamation in order that the Colossians not be taken in by this false spirituality that has nothing to do with God or the work of God for salvation. And he gives us these in verses 16 through 23. So let me read our text, and I'll give you the three points. He says, So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding the festivals or the new moons or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding to things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, 
and not holding fast the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you die with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. And so Paul's threefold proclamation against this false spirituality, here it is, real simple. First, don't give in to legalism, verse 17 and 18. Secondly, don't give in to mysticism, verses 18 and 19. And then thirdly, don't give in to asceticism, verse 20 through 23. He just knocks them off, one, two, three. First, notice he says that legalism is a judgment against the finished work of Christ as insufficient. Mark the words, so let no one. This is the concluding statement based on all that has preceded about the sufficiency of Christ. When you study the word of God, you study it in its context. What preceded it? Is this the conclusion? And one of the key words for conclusion is therefore. Here in verse 16, so let no one is an equivalent to what we have later on in verse 30. Therefore. The conclusion. He has told us from verse 19 to 15 about the sufficiency of Christ. Now notice in Christ dwells all the fullness of the sum total of deity, the divine power. He's told us that in verse 9 of chapter 2. He's told us that Christ is the visible form of the invisible God in chapter 1, verse 15. He's told us that he is the creator of all things, visible and visible, on earth or in heaven, in verse 16 of chapter 1. He's told us that Christ is the one who holds all things together that he's created in chapter 1, verse 17. He's told us that Christ is the head of the church through the resurrection, having the preeminence in chapter 1, verse 18. They were not to give up this knowledge. I'm always amazed of how easy people love biblical truth for human teaching. The Bible's right, not man. We run it through the Bible. Very important. Now, notice also that in Christ they were complete. He told us that in chapter 2, verse 10. In him, he goes on to say they were circumcised without hands, meaning the circumcision of the heart, chapter 2, verse 11. Because God's interested in cutting away the flesh life of my heart. That's what changes my life. Chapter 2, verse 12, in him they were buried and raised. In verse 13, in him they were regenerated and forgiven. In verse 14, in his cross, all the past accusations were removed. The scripture says, buried in the deepest ocean, as far as east as the west. Verse 15, in him they were free from the power of Satan and any spirit. He defeated them all. Now notice at the end of verse 10, he says that in Christ they acknowledge he was the head of all, the preeminent one over all principalities and powers, good or fallen, makes no difference. He is the creator of all things, we said in chapter 1, verse 16. He is the head of the church, chapter 1, verse 18. He is the, the Father's delight in chapter 1, verse 19. And he is the head of all authority and powers in chapter 2, verse 10. And he has triumphed over every spirituality, fallen or all. And he made a public display of them in chapter 2, verse 15. He is sitting 
In fact, at the right hand of the Father, chapter 3, verse 1. You can't get any higher. You can't get any closer to God. You can't stick anybody between Jesus and the Father. In view of the facts about the person of Christ, our position in him, and the victory over the kingdom of darkness by him, let us not feel inferior by any human demands, Paul is saying. They have nothing to add to you. That's what he's saying. The retaining of all this knowledge was their protection against false doctrine. In this particular aspect, the Gnostics, combination with the Jewish teaching, trying to add to the works of Jesus Christ for salvation. Now, notice still in verse 16 that legalism is a judgment based on the sufficiency of works. So legalism says, well, these works are sufficient to merit God. Notice the prohibition was against allowing these false teachers to judge them. Regarding what? Food, drink, and special days. Literally, it says, stop letting anyone judge you. It was going on. Notice the word judge. It's the word krino in the Greek. It refers to critical judgment. Jesus uses this word, and many people quote this. Non-believers quote it all the time to throw it in Christians' faces. They say, you know, the Bible says you shouldn't judge. Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Because it says what judgment you mete out, it'll come back to you again. But what they don't do is they don't look at it in its context and what the word, the way it's used. It's talking about a critical, sincere spirit that finds fault in everything every time. And if that's the way you judge people, it'll come back to you. People see you coming, they say, I'm out of here. Here comes the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's to take a person to task in judgment with a critical spirit, and that is condemned in Scripture. But the words of Jesus are so often taken out of their context, for we are commanded to judge right from wrong. Acts 17, 11 says that we are to be Bereans, good Bereans, to examine those things whether they're so or not by the Scriptures. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all Scriptures given by inspiration of God, theopanustos, expired from God. Powerful for doctrine, correction, instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So in other words, everything that I hear, I have to run through the word of God. If it doesn't match the word of God, if it contradicts, if it adds, it's shaft. Out it goes. So we are to call right and wrong. That's not judging. Nobody's wrong. Everybody has their own opinion, right? Because everybody's running around with their own yardstick. Some are 24 inches, some 37, some 38, but they're all missing the 36-inch mark. There has to be an absolute standard. Otherwise, there could be no absolute measure of anything. Paul told the Corinthians, I have judged you already in 1 Corinthians 5.3. He says, you're telling me you're spiritual. Paul says, you're 100% beef. You're carnal. Whoa, Paul. If Paul was preaching today... He'd be criticized by most of the people in the church because he's not tolerant. He's critical. No, he's scriptural. The specific judgment, notice, was over five things mentioned here. This is a sure way to distinguish a religious system from Christianity. The entire list mentioned here most likely indicates Jewish origin. Though 
it could equally and most likely does include pagan asceticism, dealing with vegetables and meats and not doing certain things. Now, we know in Leviticus, in Numbers, there are certain prescriptions that are given to the priests and the Levites and Nazarites, but those are distinct, and they're not to become holy. It's because of their position that God has called them to. Now, these were not so much between lawful and unlawful as the Levitical laws, I said, but pure prohibitions and observations to obtain spiritual completeness. They were using this as a platform to get to completeness. There's, that's different, okay? They were judging the Colossians about certain foods. That's the first thing on the list. Now, Levitical law was for health purposes, certain things you didn't need in the Old Testament because it was wrong for your body. It was unhealthy. We know today as we look at pork and everything else, it has to be cooked to certain degrees of temperature, whatever, different things. Okay, But it wasn't because it made them holy. So if you examine the Levitical law, it is a very healthy way to live. But it doesn't make you holy. The abstinence of certain foods by false teachers were an emphasis for their spiritual cleansing to become holier and more complete. And whenever you use those things as such, that is wrong. That is not biblical. Now, Notice also they were judging the Colossians about certain drinks. The Levitical law, again, did give some restrictions on drink. The Nazarite was never to drink wine at all during his vow. The uh, priest was not to drink before he went into the Holy of Holies. Remember, they God barbecued his sons, Eli, uh, Hophni, and Phinehas, because they toasted to the Lord, went in, and off a strange fire, and God barbecued them. And he called Aaron over and says, Aaron, listen. When you go in there, don't you go drinking. And so there were prohibitions for certain people, certain things. The false teachers were demanding, again, to obtain completeness. That's wrong. Notice also they were judging the Colossians against festivals or certain feast days. Again, if you're familiar with the law, the Levitical law did command certain feast days. There's many of them. One of the ones that was commanded by them was for every male Jew to be before the Lord three times a year, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles in Deuteronomy 16, 16. They had to be there. Now, the false teachers were demanding these days as superstitious and observations for spiritual enlightenment and progress. Man's teachings. Notice they were judging the Colossians about new moons. Again, the new moons in the law Numbers 10.10, the new moon, like, say, in October, the holy month, the Feast of Trumpets, and then it announces the holy month of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. But again, these false teachers were demanding this again as a badge of righteousness, which is wrong. Notice they were judging the Colossians about Sabbaths. And the law did declare Sabbaths, the seventh day God rested from creation. There was also two other Sabbaths possible in a week. On a, on a holy week, the first day, the last day, and then if there was a regular Saturday, you had three Sabbaths. That was the case in the week that the Lord was crucified. You had the possibility of three Sabbaths. It's commanded in Exodus 20:11. Rest on the Sabbath day. You work six. You know the whole number of six. Six days you work, one you rest. Six years you're a slave, seventh you're released. From six you go to seven, and you begin number eight, new beginnings. It all works out completely. The false teachers were using them as evidence of their self-righteousness. 
Notice the entire list of these prohibitions and commands were attempting to categorize people into groups. The word regarding has the idea of division or categories. What were the categories? Here it is. Spiritual, not spiritual. <laughs> you see? That's how it is. Now, the Bible does say either you're spiritual or you're carnal. Either you're saved or you're lost. I told you there's only saints and ain'ts. That's the way God divides humanity. He doesn't care about your color. He doesn't care how much money you make. He doesn't care what you drive. He cares whether you've accepted him as Lord and Savior by the work of his son. It is a man-made system to evaluate the heart of man when he cannot know the heart of man. No one can know my heart. And I can look at what you're doing, and by your actions, I may get an inclination, but I can't be certain about the motive of your heart, right? Only God can know the motive of the heart. Because we can do a lot of bad things with the right motive, but we're wrong. And we can do a lot of good things that appear to be good things with the wrong motive, right? God cares about the heart. Now notice verse 17. Thirdly, legalism is based on ignoring the fulfillment of all things in Christ. Ignoring it. All the things mentioned are shadows of things to come. At this point, Paul identifies them very clearly with the Old Testament law. The reference to shadow means types and resemblance of something in the future. The shadow is cast by the reality of the genuine object. The tree casts a shadow. The shadow doesn't cast the tree. You have a picture of someone you love. They're gone away for a year. They call you up, pick me up at the train station. You go down there. You take them home. You have a great time. You get up the next morning. They call you up. Say, come on over. Say, oh, can't. I have your picture. I don't need to go over. Why Would you settle for the picture when you got the real thing? Of course not. That's what Paul is saying here. All the things mentioned are fulfilled in the substance of Christ because the word substance is soma, body. Now, you know that they did... The Gnostics were teaching that spirit was holy and matter was evil. So God being spirit could not occupy a human body. And we pointed how he uses this through the letter often. Now, though it's the same word, the context is different. He's not trying to emphasize that Jesus had a body. He's already proven that. He's saying shadow body. The shadow is just cast on what has substance. So when the shadow is declaring a coming of something when the one who has come has arrived, let go of the shadow. That's what he's saying here. Jesus said in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God, in Hebrews 10, 7. The volume of the book, all of the Old Testament. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Revelation 19, 10 says. The Old Testament was a system that God was doing away in Christ. Why? Because he was the fulfillment of all types, shadows, and figures. Hebrews 10.1 tells us that. Read the book of Hebrews. You want a better name for the book of Hebrews? Better. The book of better. Jesus is better than Moses, the high priest, the sacrifice. He's just plain better. Why? Because he's God. He died for you. One day a woman came up to Mr. Moody after he had finished preaching. And this woman was just real smug up there, you know, and she's all buttoned up and everything else. And she came up and says, Mr. Moody, I want to let you know that your tie is entirely too long. And it stumbled me through the whole message. I couldn't pay attention. 
She says, oh, well, madam, allow me. Here's the scissors. You cut it where you think it should be. So she very self-righteously proceeded, cut his tie. He turned and says, madam, can I have the scissors now? Your tongue is entirely too long and it's offended me. <laughs> Would you care to stick it out so I can trim it? She was so legalistic and self-righteous about her own standard that she missed the whole object of what defiled her, the beast behind the ivory cage. Hmm. Legalism. The potentials in all of us. No exceptions. The liberties over meats and drinks Vegetables, meats, Paul deals with in Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 8 and 9. That's a conscious matter. If you like meat, fine. You're free to eat it. You feel vegetables the way, that's fine. But if you start saying that everybody should eat vegetables because the Bible teaches it, then we're going to have to have a face-to-face -face meeting. Now, if you think it stumbles you, and I invite you over, and I know you're a vegetarian, I'm not going to flop over a big old steak in front of you. I don't want to stumble you. I love you. So I'll eat your veggies. But when I walk you out to your car and I see you turn the corner, I'm going to eat my steak. <laughs> There's no big deal. But I'm not going to go out of my way to stumble you, right? Why? Because I love you, right? But it doesn't make me more holy, right? Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed, John 8, 36 says. Are you free? Can you allow other people to be free? Now, we're not talking about that some of you can sin and some cannot. We're not talking about sin. The Bible is very clear what is sin and what is not sin, okay? We're talking about those gray areas. Jesus said, it is not what goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but what comes out of it, Matthew 15, 11. Kind of like the lady there, right, with Mr. Moody. Jesus said, for I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. That's an incredible statement, Matthew 5.20. The Pharisees were the religious rulers. They were the greatest people. They were the ones holy to God. When Jesus says, got it wrong, except your righteousness exceeds theirs, you'll never enter. The observance of certain days are irrelevant. Each one is to be persuaded in their own mind, Paul says in Romans 14.5 and 6. Don't let no one judge you of new moon, Sabbath days, feast days. Each man esteems it in his own conscience, and he does it as unto the Lord. Jesus constantly got in trouble with the Pharisees because he healed and did works on the Sabbath. He says, I am Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was to rest him, not to enslave him. No one is to judge you or myself over matters of days and that. As a matter of fact, some of the most religious people are real sanctimonious and they wouldn't miss a certain holiday. But yet, it's just ritual and mechanics. And God says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 13, you make me sick. Just close the door. Don't even offer it. Going through the motions with loss of emotions. The Sabbath was given to Israel. So when Seventh-day Adventists want to argue with you it was a covenant with Israel not with the church I think the book of Acts makes it clear in Acts 15 the first church council what do we do with these Gentiles we make them Jews no keep them from strangled meat because it's offered to idols for fornication if they do that they do well right so the same standard holiness okay they used to live with one another whatever it was they can't do that if they're Christians they have to get their act together 
But they never touch the law, they never touch the days, they never touch all those ritual things. Why? Because it doesn't matter. That doesn't make you a Christian. Jesus is our Sabbath. Matthew 11, Mark 2, Hebrews 4. We rest in Him. Pastor Xavier Reese with a firm reminder that our salvation is sufficient in what Jesus has done for us. And that's to accept His finished work on the cross as complete payment for our sin. Now, next time we're together, we'll present the conclusion of this message. But if you won't be able to tune in, you can pick up a copy on CD. And the title to ask for is The Marks of False Spirituality. It's available for only $4. And this is a great way to share this ministry with your friends or loved ones. So once again, the title to ask for is The Marks of False Spirituality. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you mention the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. A legal abiding citizen is what's expected of everybody in this country. But living out a legalistic view, spiritually speaking, is met with quite the opposite reaction in the kingdom of God. Find out why on the next Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 